0: Scientific materialism is a strange philosophy for everyone to be attached to. Why should it be the preferred philosophy? Of all the philosophies, it's the one that allows the least hope relative to any matter whatsoever. That's what Adi Da said, and I agree with him. Materialism, or more accurately, scientific materialism, is a deadly poison disguised as a philosophy. Don't get me wrong, it's not that I'm against science, It's just that I'm against the smug certainty that all that exists is matter and the thudding, unconscious drumbeat of despair that comes with that mentality. Scientific materialism, taken to its logical conclusion, ends in nihilism, where nothing matters, life is random, life is pointless, you have no soul, no life after death, and no loving creator. Millions of our young men are living in this reality, in depression, and in a desperate struggle for meaning. I lived through that reality as a young man myself, and it wasn't pretty. It was downright devastating. It's especially difficult when you also aren't succeeding on a worldly level, when you don't have the health, wealth, relationships, and lifestyle that you want, and you believe human life has no meaning. It seems every week we witness another angry young man shooting up a school, or running over a group of people in his car in a desperate act of revenge against a world he believes has wronged him. The media then writes off these acts of aggressions as senseless and looks to point the blame at parents, counselors, and guns. But the truth is, these tragic acts are the result of men living without positive relationships, positive thinking, And even more than that, these are men who are living without a worldly mission and without a sense of spiritual purpose. The end result is tragedy both for the young man and for his victims. The reality is millions of our young men are living without a purpose and are unconscious slaves to the scientific materialism they've been taught in school. Or more accurately the godless, supposedly objective philosophy they've been indoctrinated into for 40 hours a week over the course of 20 years. That's not to say that science, reason, and logic that you learn in school isn't useful. It is. And that's not to say that our school system and culture is responsible and is to blame for the actions of these young men because every man is responsible for his own actions. But it is to say that you've been indoctrinated into a philosophy since kindergarten where the message that's been shoved down your throat is that matter is all that exists. And that philosophy, when taken to its logical conclusion, ends in nihilism. Where we're nothing more than evolved apes living on an orb, spinning through an unfriendly universe with no purpose and no afterlife. And this philosophy is smugly taught as an objective truth. Sure, Western governments and academics give lip service to freedom of religion, but the implied message we get through school and culture is that religious people are stupid and delusional. Instead, we're encouraged to channel our natural spiritual instincts towards materialism in the form of Mother Earth worship and social justice, and that so-called Objective materialism is taught as the only reality when, in fact, it's just one of thousands of reality tunnels. It just happens to be the one that you are born into at this time of history in Western civilization. And yet, the most dogmatic materialists, the ones that claim to stand for reason, logic, and skepticism, are convinced their philosophy is the one true faith. And they're as dogmatic and aggressive about it as the religious fundamentalists that they hate. The consequences of living with this philosophy has been devastating for our society. The conscious, sensitive, curious, intelligent men take it the worst because they pursue the philosophy to its logical conclusion, which is nihilism and they end up turning to Reddit or 4chan memes or drugs or alcohol or Twitter activism in a desperate attempt to numb the pain or find some type of purpose. For the unconscious materialist who lives an unexamined life, materialism means living for Facebook timelines, Instagram likes, sex, wine, watching reality TV, and working a mediocre marketing job. Their purpose on the planet is not a concern because their reality is as small as their social circle and no broader than their smartphone. It's no wonder that despite all our progress in technology and all our prosperity, depression is higher than it's ever been. People have never been less mentally healthy. We live in a world where one in six Americans are on psychiatric meds. But you don't need stats to see it. All you have to do is get on the early morning subway train in a major metropolitan city and look into the eyes of all the people on their way to work. You'd be lucky to see one happy face on that train car full of people living unfulfilled, isolated, atomized lives. If you're atheist or agnostic, I get it. I've been there. And I don't want to preach about spirituality because I'm far from a saint I just want to open the door just a little bit because I believe spirituality is in your best interests and I know that you can explore it with logic while still maintaining a healthy respect for science. Because science and the philosophy of soul-crushing scientific materialism are actually two different things. Science is an incredible discipline that has given us incredible technology and has advanced our quality of life tremendously. Scientific or dialectical materialism is the official philosophy of Marx, Engels, Stalin, and the Communist Party, the party that's responsible for 100 million plus plus deaths in the 20th century. And it's a philosophy built on faulty science. The belief that all reality is material is an outdated mode of thinking embedded in Newtonian physics. While Newtonian physics is a great way to understand the world on a basic level, the latest science has moved well beyond Newton's conclusions. The scientific materialism, reason, and logic you learned in school is a product of Enlightenment-era thinkers. It's hundreds of years old. Newtonian science in the Prussian school system of the 1800s is what you grew up with and what you were indoctrinated with. Some of it is useful, but the philosophy as a whole is archaic. Here's what you've been taught either directly in science class or indirectly through the culture at large. Number one, everything is essentially mechanical. Number two, all matter is unconscious. Number three, nature is purposeless and evolution has no goal or direction. Number four, minds are inside heads and are nothing but the activities of brains. And number five, memories are stored as material traces in brains and are wiped out at death. None of these claims are actually scientific, at least not according to the latest research. Chris Draper explains that physicists now believe that quantum mechanics is mind-dependent, meaning the behavior of particles is determined by the act of observation. Therefore, the mind cannot be reduced to matter because quantum mechanics presupposes the existence of mind. Take another dogma, the belief that everything is mechanical. Again, the problem with this claim is it is based upon an outdated description of the universe purported by Newtonian mechanics. The 21st century revealed that 74% of the mass of the universe is attributed to a mysterious repulsive force known as dark energy. The remaining 22% is attributed to an unaccounted force known as dark matter. Visible matter as described by Newtonian physics such as stars, planets, and galaxies makes up a mere 4% of the universe's mass. The belief that the constants of physics don't vary has also been called into question. Cutting-edge theories in physics such as string theory suggests that our universe is just one among many in a so-called megaverse. Rather than existing universal, uniformly throughout the megaverse, the laws of physics vary from one region to the next. Recent science itself no longer supports the scientific materialism we're taught in school and the culture that's grown up around it. Modern science, especially quantum mechanics, tends towards model model agnosticism, and they've thrown in the towel on an objective reality. Scientists can only offer their best models as theories, theories like string theory, metaverse theory, and simulation theory. The best and brightest scientific minds have left objective materialism behind and admitted that they don't know how it all works. Scientific materialism is outdated, making us unhappy, and the best and brightest minds of modern science have left it behind and can no longer speak with certainty on the big questions. That's because science does not have the answers to spiritual questions. Science has given us incredible technology, like the automobile and the smartphone, but do you know it's even more incredible than that technology? The fact that you actually exist, the fact that you're incarnated into a body to taste, smell, touch, feel, think, and move about in an infinitely expanding universe with billions of other life forms, that is the ultimate miracle. Science can approximate the age of our universe, but science can't tell us what came before matter, energy, space, and time. Science can't tell us what created and sustains matter, energy, space, and time. Science can't tell us why we incarnated into these bodies and what our purpose is while we're here. And science can't tell us what happens after we die. Science does not have answers to what, we, to what created the world, what sustains it, and why we and all the billions of other life forms are here. Terence McKenna says, Modern science is based on the principle, give us one free miracle and we'll explain the rest. The one free miracle is the the appearance of all the mass and energy in the universe, and all the laws that govern it in an instant from nothing. And he's right. Science does not solve why we're here what our purpose on this planet is, and what happens after we die. Logic can't explain why we exist in an infinitely expanding universe, because there is nothing logical about existence. There is nothing logical about the spontaneous creation of matter, energy, time, and space. What created matter, energy, time, and space? Why do we exist as a species? What are we evolving towards? A peer-reviewed study in the latest scientific journal will never have those answers because science is based on measurement, and you can't measure what's beyond measurement, what's beyond time, space, energy, and matter. You cannot measure this. And yet, it is from this great beyond that our very universe exists. It couldn't be any other way. Some people, including myself, call this great formless beyond the Holy Spirit. And it's this Holy Spirit that created the universe. You can use the scientific model of the Big Bang and trace our universe back billions of years, but you ultimately get to a point where matter was spontaneously created by what's beyond matter. There is no way around this fact. And therefore, that non-matter or spirit has to be the very essence of matter and what sustains matter to this day. Because matter is created out of the spirit and it cannot be separate from that spirit. Although the Holy Spirit is the creator of all matter and exists within matter, its pure essence will never be found in that matter. You'll never find the Holy Spirit under a microscope, no matter how small a particle you examine, because if you could, it wouldn't be the Spirit, and it would be subject to matter, energy, time, and space. And most importantly, if what the spiritual authorities say is true, you have the potential to directly experience this Holy Spirit in this lifetime, because the Spirit is a part of you and is what created you and is what sustains you and is what gives you the consciousness to interact with the world at large. The goal of all spiritual traditions is to merge your river with God's ocean and to return home to the Holy Spirit beyond the reach of the inevitable death and decay of the vehicle that you chose to play the game of life with. I think it's only logical to examine the the idea that you're a spirit and have only temporarily incarnated in this body, and that you can have direct experience of the Holy Spirit in this lifetime. Even if you have to take baby steps and start slowly, I truly believe you won't be disappointed. If you're still hesitant, though, I get it, especially if dogmatic fundamentalist religion was slammed down your throat as a child. But remember, Religion is not the spirit, and much of religion is the misinterpretation by men of what enlightened beings through history were trying to teach us. At first glance, it's easy to write off religion as mass delusion, but that's the easy way out because religions rarely have the best emissaries. In fact, the most dogmatic, aggressive messengers are usually the last people who should be speaking for that religion. But well, when you actually go to the heart of religion and read the actual words written by the spiritual masters, it becomes difficult to deny the wisdom in those words. The religious traditions and rules of men aren't important. And oftentimes, the stories behind the religions are allegories and not meant to be taken as literal fact. It's the direct message from the being that beat the final game, that beat the final boss in the game of life that's important. In fact, it's hard to think of something more important than the investigation of why we're put on this planet, especially if there is even the smallest possibility that the death of this body is not the end of our existence, and that what we do while we're alive has a spiritual purpose. The idea that we might be able to choose another vehicle after the death of this body to reincarnate into might sound hard to believe, but consider the insanity of the fact that you already incarnate into Incarnated into one body already. Is it really such a stretch to imagine that you won't reincarnate into another vehicle in this universe or maybe in a higher, more peaceful realm? I don't think it is. To me, that doesn't seem illogical at all. And when you look at every major and minor tradition with all the saints, sages, and enlightened beings, they all say that what we do while we're here has a spiritual purpose and it affects where we go next that's not enough of a case for spiritual investigation, listen to what Nikola Tesla, perhaps one of the most brilliant scientific minds in our history, has to say on the universe. Everything is light. In one of its rays is the fate of nations. Each nation has its own ray in the great source of light, which we see as the sun. And remember, no one who had existed is dead. They transformed into light and so still exist. The secret lies in the fact that the light particles restore their original state. When a journalist asked him if he was speaking to the resurrection, he said, I prefer to call it the return to the previous energy and Christ and some others knew the secret. Even Einstein believed in more than just soul crushing materialism. It's true. He didn't believe in a personal God, but he believed in an impersonal creator of our universe He told David Ben-Gurion that there must be something behind the energy and he told Max Born that he didn't believe that religious belief was a sign of stupidity or unbelief was a sign of intelligence. Einstein might not have believed in a personal God but he believed in an intelligent spirit which created the universe as well as the laws that govern it. Here are just a few of the things that Einstein said in regards to the Holy Spirit. He said behind all the discernible Concatenations, there remains something subtle, intangible, and, and inexplicable. Veneration for this force is my religion. To that extent, I am in point of fact religious. He also said, Everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to that of man. He goes on to say that this firm belief in a superior mind reveals. That reveals itself in the world of experience represents my conception of God. There is no difference between the universe and everything in it with God. That God is not separate, not beyond time and space, not personally conscious entity and exception of one no composite or aspect of it, and that it is us which is conscious. In short, everything else is God, whether living or non-living, conscious or non-conscious, or the universe Itself as a whole is God. There is no distinction. These quotes could have been taken from the mouth of Ramana Ramana Maharshi or any other non-dualist saint. Einstein might not have believed in a personal God, but he certainly believed in the Holy Spirit, imminent in everything, and the creator and sustainer of this universe. If you read this far, or if you've been listening this far, I think we can agree that science doesn't answer the big questions. You have the choice to leave those questions unexamined, but I believe that in doing so, you are making a major mistake, especially we, when we live in a time where we have instant access to the entire human history of spiritual wisdom from masters like Buddha, Christ, Ramana Maharshi, Ananda Mahima, and many others. And I promise you this, when you listen to the direct words they spoke, Stripped of the dogma and misinterpretations of their messengers, you can't help but hear wisdom in those words. And more importantly, you can use those words to aim for a direct experience of that Holy Spirit while you're still in this life cycle. The spirit that exists outside the bounds of time and space, the spirit that can't die because it was never born, the spirit that incarnated us into these bodies, And the Spirit that created and sustains this entire universe, you can have direct experience of that Holy Spirit. And it only takes one glimpse of that ultimate reality through direct experience to make you a believer. Unfortunately, I've only had a handful of transcendental experiences in my life, but those experiences were enough to convince me that the Holy Spirit is a reality. And with each day that passes, I get little glimpses into that reality. I can see that this body of mine is just the vehicle, but what I really am is what the thoughts, feelings, and sensations come to. The sights, smells, tastes, noises come to me as a spirit through the vehicle of this body. It might take a leap of of faith at first to be able to see it, but it's not a big leap, especially when you start to study the right spiritual material because you begin to see the truth of those words reflected in your actual experience. Things like the presence of God, having a spiritual purpose, being rewarded for being kind and good, feeling love, existing beyond the bounds of name and form. These are all things I've experienced and all things that I believe you can experience as well. If you're with me so far and you're a longtime reader or listener or watcher of my videos, You might be confused, because the bulk of the content I've been delivering since 2012 is about personal development, content on making more money, getting women, having better sex, and getting in better shape, all things that feed the so-called ego and nurture the body. And if you know me on a personal level, you know that I'm far from being a saint. My ego is as big as it's ever been, and yet here I am extolling the values of spirituality. To the intelligent consumer of content, it would seem that spirituality and personal development are in direct opposition to each other. And, many, and in many cases, they are. But here's the reality Rome wasn't built in one day, and becoming an enlightened being doesn't happen overnight. The true lions of mankind are one in a billion. Pursuing enlightenment or Christ consciousness or Sat-Shit-Ananda or whatever you want to call it is a noble mission. Beating the final boss in the game of life is a noble mission. Aiming for complete liberation and bliss is, in my opinion, the best thing that you can do for yourself. But that's not going to happen overnight. I've been on the spiritual path for the last 20 years and may very well be on it for the next 50 years... Or even the next 50 life cycles. If you choose to pursue the spiritual path, prepare for a long walk to the finish line. And in that time, rent is still going to be due. Poverty is still going to be painful. Being sick is still going to hurt. And working a mediocre office job is still going to suck. I will leave it to the false prophets to pretend that they're above the demands of the body and the ego while they collect checks for their teaching and live comfortable lives of material abundance as they sell austerity to the gullible masses. And if you want to move to a monastery and devote your entire waking life to pursuing the ultimate reality, you have my respect and I tip my hat to you. Because I know that I don't have the discipline to do that, at least not yet. And I know that I still have many attachments to this world and this body. So instead, I choose to walk on the middle path where I can pursue both personal development and spiritual development. And that's the path that I'm offering to you. Personal development is an excellent medicine for the pains of life. When you pursue personal development, you're able to minimize the amount of suffering and maximize the amount of happiness you have in this life cycle. My worldly mission is to minimize the suffering of as many men as I can reach through this vehicle I call revolutionary lifestyle design. And while personal development is an excellent medicine for the suffering in your life, it's not the cure. The cure is total liberation from attachment to the flesh and living purely in the Holy Spirit. I pursue that ultimate goal through observing. And that means observing the entirety of your existence from anger to lust to going and getting drunk with the boys. You can have human flaws and you can enjoy worldly things while still pursuing the spiritual path. The key is to observe from the point of view of the spirit. I say a prayer every morning to God to show my gratitude and to ask for closer to communion and to apologize for my sins and occasionally to ask for worldly things. And through it, Throughout the day, I carry on focusing on my wealth, health, lifestyle, and relationships, all the while trying and usually failing to stay present and stay in the point of view of that spirit. But that's the key. You do not have to make radical changes in your life. You just have to adopt the the idea that you are the spirit and to try and pursue life from the point of view of being that Holy Spirit. And then at night, you can do what I do, which is try and schedule at least an hour or two for spiritual reading. I found this path to be the most effective way to live. You're free to pursue any, any path that you want, but in my experience, the middle path is the best bridge to both worlds. By following the middle path, you no longer have to be a slave to soul-crushing materialism, but you also get to enjoy your life while pursuing your spiritual mission, And you don't have to make drastic changes um, to your life in order to consider yourself following the spiritual path. In my experience, this is a much more consistent approach than trying to totally negate the flesh only to crash back down to earth when you relapse, which you almost certainly will do. If I could choose to do one thing for you, it would be to put you on the spiritual path. And the path I recommend is the middle way. I can't get you to the finish line because I'm not there yet, but I can point you to the lines of mankind who've achieved the ultimate victory. Saints like Christ, Buddha, Nisargadatta Maharaj, Ramana Maharshi, Anandimai Ma, and Rumi. Some follow the path of insight, others follow the path of love. I try to follow both paths, but insight comes much easier to me than love. If you want to truly understand what you are, I recommend reading I Am That by Nisargadatta Maharaj because you are that, that which is beyond name, form, time and space. That which can never be born and therefore never die. That which is your truly true nature. That holy spirit